This morning, we have the privilege of having with us uh, Matt and Caitlin Wieser. Please ask them to come forward. They will be reading the scripture for us this morning in Obadiah and in Colossians. And uh, Matt will be reading the Colossians part in OG Cree, uh, which is their ministry um, in Kingfisher Lake, Northern Ontario. They work with, uh, um, with the indigenous community there, empowering them to translate the Bible. And uh, if you're curious about uh, what they do there in Kingfisher Lake, you have the opportunity to listen from them today right after their service. So right after the service, I want to invite you to grab your coffee, your cookie, your goodies, and go downstairs to the room that is just underneath us here. They'll be sharing what they do there, their community and their ministry with us, and you're gonna have a few minutes afterwards to ask questions about, uh, about them and what they do. And uh, lastly, I wanna tell you that when you contribute, when you donate to this church, uh, part of your money goes to projects like this, who helps our indigenous friends uh, gain their, they already have their dignity, but also to empower them to be able to flourish in their identity as indigenous friends. As you re probably read or heard this morning, and in residential school, their language, one of the things that were wiped out from their identity was their language. So this is such a powerful way to restore their dignity as giving them power to translate their Bible in their own language. So would you please um, join me, welcome Matt and Caitlin here this morning, and they read the Bible for us. I'm going to be reading uh, the book of Obadiah. It's just one chapter. Um, so this is the vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Taman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof, while strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster. 
nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble, and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau, and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israeli exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zerfath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go, on, uh, go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20. Inodiki. <laughs> Kaknegeguna chikiwe naskagoch and the guy in Wenwen Akink Kayagan and in Wenwen Kijako Kayagan. Let's pray, my friends. In the presence of Jesus. Everything changes. At the foot of the cross, everything changes. And living God, we know that Jesus is here with us this morning. And will you speak powerfully through Felipe? Help us to be attentive to all that you have to say to us this morning. And help us to come before the cross. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. For those who are new to Canada, this holiday marks the history and legacy of residential schools. The residential schools were run by churches, Catholic, Anglican, Methodist, Presbyterians, and Baptist. And they were supported by the government, and bottom line here, they would take indigenous children away from their parents and force them into this educational system most of the time far, far away from their homes. And in these schools, all sort of abuse happened there. All sort of abused. And the last residential school to be closed was in 1998, according to Canada's official website. So this week is heavy for us as nation. So before we start talking about our text, I would like us to understand that today's message, most of the time, 
I'll be talking about the collective, not about individuals. In other words, today's message is more for us as First Baptist congregation or as, as uh, denominationally speaking Baptist or us as church, a body of church in Canada than for you individually. This is not the message that you receive and go home and put this into practice. It is, but not that individualistic. But rather, this is the message that you look to the person on your right and your left, and you say, let's go through this together. And lastly, as I said, uh, this is a heavy weekend for us Canadians. And as this sermon goes unfolding, you're going to hear bad things that the church did. Not necessarily First Baptist Church, but as, a part, as part of the body of Christ, we take part in that. So, but please don't go, don't be discouraged or think that all is lost or all is bad. In fact, there are good things that our church is doing and we'll get that in the sermon. So with that in mind, today I want to approach the issue of truth and reconciliation, or some people prefer to say healing and justice, and uh, not talk only about residential school, but actually the whole history of Canada and its colonization, and try to make sense of that in light of scripture. Perhaps the book of Obadiah can help us to make sense of the past and through this journey, I hope to arrive at the feet of the cross, where healing, repentance, and grace abound. Friends, the cross is the key for us to move forward. So many of you know that I'm Brazilian. But what many of you don't know is that I'm a DNA mess. Recently, I took on one of these DNA tests to know more about myself. Uh, and where I came from. And uh, as expected, I'm mostly European, but I, what I was not expecting is I'm all over Europe. There was dot all over it. Um, the most common was Portuguese, and hence my, my surname, Baliero. But also, there is a considerable amount of African and a little bit of DNA, uh, indigenous DNA in me, too. Well, despite the mix of DNA, I was raised as a white kid in Brazil. My skin color, my hair, and my family upbringing would be considered white. While here in Canada, I had to make an adjustment. It was uh, a learning process for me to find out that I'm not a white. <laughs> I'm Latino Brazilian, and that is a big difference. I had to learn where I stand in this society. Or to say that the way that I preach the gospel here in Canada is different from how I would preach the gospel in Brazil. In Brazil, I have to be aware that I enjoy a position of privilege, while here in Canada, I join the minorities. My voice has a certain weight in Brazil, for better and for worse. And here in Canada, it has a different weight. I'd like you to please keep that in mind, that there is a difference on how you approach the gospel in different settings. So Obadiah was a prophet who spoke against Adam. And uh, I say Adam, 
uh, because of my accent. You in English, see, you guys say Edom. But because of my accent, the Hebrew and uh, many parts of the world, they would say Edom. I would say Edom. But then in your mind, if you're English, you, speak, you translate that into Eden, please. So Obadiah was a prophet who spoke against Adam and warned them about the consequences of their sin. The book of Obadiah talks about two people, Judah and Adam. Adam are descendants of Esau, and Judah are descendants of Jacob. And if you remember, Esau and Jacob, they were twin brothers from the book of Genesis, right in the beginning of the Bible. So those brothers, they got married, they had a family that grew, 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 and they became big nations, right? And Judah was going through a hard time here in the book of Obadiah. They were going into exile, and they were being invaded, which was a consequence of their flaws and the way that they decided to live away from God. But the people of Adam, they didn't care about it. Not only that, but they actually helped the oppressor to go against Judah. And the Lord did not like it. It was not cool at all. So Obadiah is saying to Adam that they will suffer the consequences of their behavior. Well, if you ask me or any theologian if Obadiah should be taken literally, of course we'd say no. But maybe this story offers a framework to understand how a nation or a people becomes an enemy of God and what salvation looks like in those kind of situations. So here, I want to present to you some characteristics of Adam who became an enemy of God. So they act with pride and arrogance, verse 2 and 4. And then you, if you keep reading verse 5 and 6, greed and plunder, then they lost wisdom and understanding, and then later they act with violence and gloating over the suffering of others. They were silent. Worse than that, they helped Judah's enemy. However, Obadiah presents a way forward in this. There is deliverance, healing, and justice for the situation, and that is Mount Zion. Verse 17 and 21. We'll get to those verses later on. But I want to point out here is that in this situation, for Judah, Mount Zion is healing and restoration. But for Adam, is repentance. With this background in mind, I would like us to approach the history of colonization in Canada. And actually, not only Canada, but the whole American continent you can approach in light of Obadiah's book. Colonizers, whether English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, or Dutch, they promoted a genocide of indigenous people that was never seen in human history. Since 1492, when Columbus arrived in America, the continent, it is estimated that 95% of indigenous people have died. And this endeavor of conquering the new land was with approval of the church. It is true that most of it was with the Catholic church, but Protestants also participated in that. So in light of Obadiah's text, 
we noticed that the church during colonization, residential school, and you can tap into that even in slavery, during those, this period, the church echoed the behavior of Adam. With pride and arrogance, we thought we were better than them. Greed and plunder, we got money and land from them. We act without wisdom and understanding. Understand of what is the kingdom of God and how those people were created in the image of the triune God. We act with violence and gloating over their suffering. We saw them being pushed away from their land and we did nothing. We saw their children going to residential school and we helped them, them the colonizers. Well, if you say the church mimics Adam, then we're doomed, right? Not really, because there is a way forward in all of this. And as I said, it is Mount Zion. Verse 17 in uh, Obadiah, but on Mount Zion will be deliverance, and it will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. And the last verse of the book, deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Mount Zion is the key, because it's where God installed his king, according to Psalms 2. Mount Zion is where Jesus, the Son of God, rule, rules all nations with justice and mercy. And there in Psalms 2, blessed are those nations who come to him. And how does he do that? Through the cross, by reconciling all things. As Matt read to us in no decree, in Colossians we read, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. But note, the text goes on and says, church, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. But now we, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So the cross is the only way forward for us and for indigenous people too. However, when we come to the cross at this matter of healing and justice, we come to ask for forgiveness and mercy, for we have acted much more like Adam. While I believe First Nations, indigenous people, when they come to the cross in this aspect of reconciliation, they come for restoration. They come for healing, for justice, for a balm in their wounds. And this, friend, is the power of the cross. That we, in this instance, we were enemies of God. We act with violence, with greed, with plunder. 
And at the cross, the wrath of God is satisfied against us sinners. And restoration and healing and justice is presented to indigenous people. I'm not arguing that indigenous people don't need to repent from their sins. They do. They have some stuff that they need to figure out among themselves and repent. But when they come to the cross on this matter of reconciliation, the legacy of colonization and residential coup, they come for restoration. While we come to ask for forgiveness. And friends, that's the only way forward for us to know ourselves and our place at the feet of the cross in this matter. I know that all of this sounds a, a bit heavy for some of us, but we as a community of faith are trying to move forward towards healing and justice. Matt and Caitlin, who just read the Bible for us this morning, will be sharing again. Don't forget to grab your coffee and their cookie and go downstairs to hear from them. Our, our missionaries that we support, and they work in the, in the indigenous community in Northern Ontario to translate the Bible, and you have no idea how powerful this is to empower them to celebrate their own language, their own culture. Justin said back in 2013, when Truth and Reconciliation Report was being finalized, our dear Pastor Bob Suan talked to a member of our church at that time. His name is Joe Dion, and he is a, a chief in the Cree nation. Bob asked if he could point us to an indigenous Christian community where we could learn from them. And that's how our relationship with Anil Lake started. Joe Dion connected Pastor Bob Suan with Pastor Martin Asius, you just saw in the video. And since then, we've been learning from them. I dare to say that Anil Lake is probably the health healthiest missional relationship that our church has. Every time we go there, we go to learn and to say, I'm sorry for what the churches in Canada have caused to you and to your people. Pastor Suzanne and I have been in conversation how we could deepen our partnership with them after the pandemic. And when you go to Onion Lake, you see the brokenness of that place. And at the same time, you feel a powerful presence of the Spirit there. Let me tell you this. When I first started dating, dating Josie, I remember that I was naive to think there, there was no such a thing as racism. Remember, I was raised as a, as a white kid, as I shared in the beginning, until she started training my eyes to see it. And it was eye-opening for me to notice that when we go to the mall, the guards would follow her. Uh, the police officers would treat her differently. Uh, job opportunities would be offered to light-skinned people, even when they were not qualified instead of her. When you go back to Brazil, it's always stressful with immigration, and not only Brazil, but uh, also in um, different countries when you go through immigration. So I noticed that she carries an extra burden that I never had to. And I was only able to notice these situations when I started sharing life with her, to be in the same places with her, to eat the same food with her, to talk with her friend and her family. 
And I, I think a similar eye-opening happening happened to me when I first went to Onil Lake. I have read a lot about colonization and indigenous people, but w once you enter the reserve and talk with people, when you eat with them, talk with them, go to funerals with them, share life with them, only then the books that you read about residential school and colonization start to make sense to you. And you see the pain and the struggle that our indigenous friends have to face every day. So I wanna finish today acknowledging that we are a community of broken people trying to love our country and our indigenous friend. It doesn't mean that we are perfect, and in fact, we have a lot of homework to do. But here are a few things that we can start doing. Perhaps in community, we can start acknowledging that this land that we worship and we live was unseated. It belonged to the Muskeem and Squamish and Slay Wathutu people before the settlers arrived here. We can learn more about Canada history and the legacy of colonialism and residential school. And there is some material available uh, in your worship folder, but also in our website. And I would encourage our connection groups to check um, in your neighborhood what indigenous people are up to in your area and join them. So friends, healing and reconciliation is a slow process. It will take decades or even centuries. And you might have a feeling that the next steps for us as a community is uh, perhaps unclear or too slow. And I believe that we are still learning how to do this. And that's why, that's why it is important for us to do this together as community of faith. And in this process, it is important for us, it's crucial for us to know our place at the feet of the cross. Repentance. So can you look to your right and to your left and tell to the people next to you, Let do, let's do this together. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.